Welcome, friends. You found the Out of the Ordinary podcast. I'm Lisa Jo Baker. And I'm Christy Purifoy. And this is the place where we believe that the very best stories grow out of the soil of ordinary life. A few of my favorite ordinary things are hitting snooze on the alarm clock, hot coffee with heavy cream, and a new local cafe with great writing spots. Lisa Joe, I love wrapping up in a cozy cardigan, going for long walks on cold afternoons, and warming up around a real fire. All right, friends, here's today's conversation. Get comfy. Here we go. Well, here's something we've never done before, Lisa Joe. We recorded a conversation for our listeners today. It aired last week, and we thought we were finished recording. We thought we were ready to go um, get some lunch, right? It's almost lunchtime. <laughs> right. I have lunch plans that I'm excited about. <laughs> and we'll see how this conversation goes because I think we're both hungry right now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but here's what happened, listeners. Um, this podcast, these conversations, this friendship <laughs> that you're listening in on week after week is so real. <laughs> it's absolutely real. It's not rehearsed. It's not... Planned meticulously. It's just real. Two friends sit down together. We tell stories about our ordinary lives. So something happened today. We thought we were finished talking and we kept talking. We just kept sharing about where we are in our ordinary lives today. Just with one another beyond what we had recorded. We had hit stop and then we just kept talking. And then realized, you know what? Instead of going for our break and getting lunch, we we need to hit record on this because I think some things that we've started to talk about here, Lisa Joe, are meant to be shared. But let me just say this, which is yeah. funny, Christy, because that is actually how this podcast was born. That's right. In years and years of friendship, I would tell Christy, oh my gosh, why aren't other people listening to this conversation <laughs> we're having? Which I'm not sure if that's arrogance or not, but I, to me, it just felt like um invitation, like wanting to multiply the experience yeah. of processing things with other women that you and I were talking about. So when this happened today and we were talking and Christy said, wait, I think we should just hit record. I was like, oh my gosh, we've come full circle. Yes, yeah. we've always wanted to bring this podcast to you as real conversations that are happening around issues that feel meaningful to us that we think will resonate with you too. Yeah, there's something that happens in our friendship and our conversations that to add on to last week's conversation about listening, I realized that when you and I just share, we're listening to our lives and we're listening to one another's lives in a way that we're able then to hear from God about the truth of our ordinary lives in a way that we just couldn't do on our own. And yeah. so I think that um, that is why we've turned this into a podcast is because the kind of listening we're doing, we want to give more people an opportunity to listen. So yeah, I was just sharing, Lisa Joe. I mean, one of the things that I think is going to be familiar <laughs> to everyone listening about their ordinary lives is that we're all in some way or another dogged by a sense of failure, the thing that repeats more than anything else as a theme right. in our lives. Right. What is more constant? What is more cyclical in our lives? But the the messages we hear about how we are failing, how we are not measuring up. And so I was just sharing, I was sharing that this week has been, um, you know, a hard one, just interruptions of life. I've had sick kids. I've had a lot of work. Um, kitchen construction at Maplehurst continues, <laughs> which is noisy and dirty and, and you know, just adds an extra layer of chaos into life. And so I was just sharing with you my sense of overwhelm and tiredness. And 
And that it's not just that I'm tired, it's that I feel like it's my fault. I feel like if I were better at life somehow, if I were more organized or if I were better at scheduling rests, I I started our conversation today by telling you, I think I need to remember to schedule some kind of personal retreat in winter because winter's really hard for me. Well, Lisa Joe, I've I've never managed to do that. (laughs) Maybe I I won't. So I I have this story I tell myself that if I were better at scheduling my life, if I were better at, if I read the self-help books and put them into practice, that somehow I would finally hold in my hands the key to a life that would be more comfortable less tiring, more easy, more enjoyable, less hard, (laughs) all the things I think I want life to be, right? So I feel like when I'm tired, it's not just that I'm tired, but I'm tired and I'm a failure. Right, right. And I was saying I have a similar lock that has a key that I'm looking for, Mm -hmm. but I experience it differently than you. So yours is often around systems, organization, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. if I could just manage time or energy or people or space in a different way, Mm -hmm. that you'd have a different outcome. And your outcome would be that sense of peace and relief and safety and wholeness, all those things we want as human beings. Yes. So mine isn't around organization or systems or house. I, I like those things too, but they don't make me feel the kind of unrest you're talking about. For me, the way I experience it is that if I could just figure out other people, how how to not offend, how to understand, how to make them like me, how to make them before me, I would be okay. And I mean, this manifests in such a powerful way in my life that I will actually have days where I'm thinking, oh, all is right with the world. I feel so great. And I like run through my mind, all my relationships. And I think, oh, look at this. We love each other. And we're all at peace. And I'm at peace. And then Christy, I kid you not, like I will get an email from somebody and they're not even mad about something. They're just questioning something I said, or they're pushing back on something I've suggested to do. When I think about um, paper and string that we're working on together and the community that we're running, like even in conversations with people I feel completely safe with, if they disagree with me, it is complete. It's like a huge rock being dropped into the lake of my life. And now there are mm. ripples. And now mm. my peace is gone. And I experience failure. My narrative is so powerfully attached to other people. And I'm an Enneagram too. I've talked about it a lot. I'm shaped by childhood, really, where my whole job was to keep my dad happy so he wouldn't be mad at us. So I experience that now as an adult. And so it's one of the primary reasons that stepping off social media has been such a relief to me because what I realized is that social media is a place where lots of people disagree with you. Lots of people have challenging or different viewpoints. And when I hear all of those, I experience them as, Lisa Joe, you failed. You misunderstood this. You didn't know this. You weren't insensitive in this way, even though they are not talking about me or to me. When I listen to them talk, it reveals to me blind spots in my own experience of other human beings, which I receive as direct failure. Mm -hmm. And I've been off social media for four months. And I told Christy, I had pulled up Instagram on, I'm not signed into it. I don't have the app, but I can pull it up on my computer. And I had pulled it up to just look at the feeds of several close friends that I miss to just see what's going on with them and stumbled into 
somebody sharing a teaching moment, which is what it was. It wasn't mean. It wasn't hurtful. It was just like a teaching moment about how to understand other people in a particular context. And I realized what she was teaching on was something I've I've done. Like, it's the thing I should learn not to do. And immediately, I felt like, oh, you're a failure. You're a disaster. Mm-hmm. You're never going to get it right. And I just was basically like, might as well give up on everything. Like, I can't mm-hmm. figure this out. And so I was telling you that when we got yeah. off our last week's conversation afterwards, I was telling you, I don't know how to solve this in my life. Like, help right. me. <laughs> I've been off social media for four months, but I still experience it when I go back there, this narrative of somehow I failed because I haven't been the perfect. That's what I was telling you. I somehow, Christy, if I could just figure out how to be perfect in how I treat other human beings, my life would feel calm and safe. If I could just be perfect in my church, if I could just treat my kids in this, whatever perfect is, whatever that key is, give it to me, man, so that I don't have to feel this anxiety that I constantly fail at it all the time. And it was something about hearing you say that, because I've heard you share this before, this this need, you know, the way that your sense of well-being is attached to other people and how they they feel about you. And I've heard you share that before, but because it's not, again, my lens on the world, I've just thought of it as like, yeah, that's Lisa Joe's baggage. Let me be here as a friend. <laughs> Lisa Joe's dysfunction. <laughs> but when you said that, when you said, I don't know how to flip this narrative. I don't know how, I, I feel like if I could just be perfect. But of course, we both know that's not, that's not the goal. And I realized, oh, I have the same ongoing narrative, the same but different, the same pressure. I keep thinking if I could just figure out how to manage my life, how to be more competent (laughs) in all kinds of ways, life would be easier. Right. In other words, it's the same thing. If I could just be perfect. Yes. In these specific areas, there would be no rocks dropping into my pool. Right. And, And so you said, you said, I don't know what will flip this narrative. And I don't know, Lisa Joe. I just, I heard something and I had to just say it out loud because I didn't know if it would hold up. Yes. I'm we still heard not from sure. God. I mean, isn't that interesting? We had just recorded an episode yeah. on how to hear About God. Listening. And I mean, I bear witness, I think God spoke. So it was, yeah, go there. That's why we're recording this. <laughs> you said, we're talking about failure and you said, I don't know how to flip it. And I thought, what is failure? What is the flip of that? And I just, I heard. You know, the voice of Christ as a Christian, what is the invitation every day for our whole walk with Christ? It is that Christ bids us come and die. Mm. That is baptism, right? That mm-hmm. is, you know, what it, the, the symbolism there of, of, of going under the water. It, that is the invitation of the Christian life is to come and pick up our cross and die. I mean, that's the um, Easter narrative. I mean, it in is it's the deepest way. Christ is modeling what it looks like to willingly walk toward death. Everybody mm-hmm. is telling him, don't go there. They want to kill you. Don't come here. This is where mm-hmm. you could die. Death is so bad. Mm-hmm. Don't come here. Mm-hmm. And he is willingly walking toward laying down his life to die. Yeah. And what is death but, in some sense, the ultimate failure, mm. the ultimate imperfect failing moment? And I just heard, what if what if the thing I need to say to myself in order to flip that narrative is this? Christ says, come, fail. Mm. Fail all the way. Fail all the way down. All the way until you are n- you're nothing. You're, you're ash. Mm. And, then, and then what? That is not the end of the story. 
then there is Christ, then there is resurrection, then there is new life. But I keep trying to like get to the new life without the dying. And mm. and I thought I thought I understood what dying meant. I thought it meant self-sacrifice. Yes. I thought it meant not putting myself first. But what if it means not working so hard to be perfect and assuming that is the key to this happy, comfortable life I want? What if it means laying that down and saying, yeah, I'm a failure. I have failed. Mm. I'm going to fail tomorrow. (laughs) Yes. And I think about that a lot around just a specific example. Our really good friend, Shannon Martin, who's so worth following on Instagram. Mm -hmm. I think it's Shannon. Is it Shannon Martin Writes? I think is her Instagram handle. Mm -hmm. She talks a lot about racial reconciliation. She talks a lot around this area. And she's an adoptive mom of kids um, who aren't white. And so she's constantly leaning into understanding their stories better and Uh encouraging the rest of us to lean into understanding the stories of people different than us. Uh And she says this thing that's really powerful. She always says, she she kind of warns you in advance and she'll, she'll say something like, you know, this might make you feel uncomfortable or this might make you feel defensive. And my encouragement to you is to lean into that. Uh-huh. Now, all my relational triggers go off and I'll be like, no, I want to run away from that as fast as I can because that's just like, <laughs> oh, look, you failed again, Lisa Joe. You got it wrong. Things you care deeply about. Guess what? You haven't figured them all out yet. You failed. And Christy, what did you say to me about this when I was talking about how I worry so much, like I don't want to fail? And you're just like, Lisa Joe, what if you can just say to God, like, yes, Lord, I am going to lean in and be willing to fail over and over again. I'm going to yeah. fail so hard and so big because I am so determined to get to the life God wants for us, which is wholeness, which is loving people well. And the way we do that is not through being perfect, newsflash Lisa Joe. The way we do that is being willing to learn how we've got it wrong in the past so that yeah. the next time around, we can do better. And guess what that's called? Failure. That's what's called. Yeah. Failure. Yeah. Fail, 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 fail. And that the key to... N- to not failing isn't figuring it out. Right. It isn't trying harder. It isn't somehow <laughs> being more worthwhile. It's just more failing. It's being willing to fail. Being willing I to think fail. I've spent yeah. so much time trying to avoid failure. I'm like, what mm. can I do that I don't have to feel like I failed? I think that's right. Like I've created an entire construct where I don't want to feel like I failed. And I I confess part of being off social media has allowed me the freedom to not have to face failures to do Mm -hmm. with, you know, in the public world or what people have to say if they disagree with me on something I've shared or even to have to stumble into conversations or narratives or stories told by people who are sharing ways that other people hurt or disappointed them and they might be something I've done. I want to avoid that because I don't want to feel like a failure. But what if what Shannon Mm -hmm. is trying to tell me is just be willing to have failed? You don't have to defend it or protect it or become perfect. You just have to be okay with getting it wrong. It is the ultimate humility. And I think what we're trying to find, because here we are, Lisa Joe, hitting record on this conversation that is completely unplanned, so we do not have this figured out, but I sense that what we're trying to find is this path that isn't on the one side indulging in self-destructive behaviors. Of course, right. Right? We're not talking about that. But it also isn't the other extreme, which is this white-knuckled grip on doing it right 
all the time in order to get the outcome I want, which is an easier life, (laughs) a life that doesn't feel at times so tiring or so hard, and instead is somehow in between those and says, yes, I will try to listen for and seek out the paths that are life-giving and good and not self-destructive. But at the same time, I know that that means I will walk through failure again and again and again, and that that actually can work good in my life, because those are all the places where the life of Christ can now rise up in me. I mean, literally having an epiphany right now, <laughs> because when, before you and I started our first conversation this morning, which was last week's episode about listening to God, mm-hmm. I said to you, I've been off social for four months now. I've kind of forgotten about it. It doesn't have the you know attachment to me anymore. I've really broken the addiction. I could theoretically get back on. I could. But I don't want to get on just because it's the default. Like, I feel like I need there to be some clear, whether it's hearing God's voice or instruction about what to do in that space, I need something that marks the end of a journey. I feel like I've been on this journey with God, trying to be really close and listen to Him. And I clearly heard when He asked me to step off. And so I've been waiting for that moment where He invites me back. And I told you, I don't know what that's going to be, especially because this past week, when I opened it for a split second to look at the stories of people I feel safe with, I had immediately this reaction of, failure, get me out of here, get me out of here. And and my conclusion at the time was, oh, I haven't become perfect yet. I haven't figured out how to perfectly behave as a human Mm. or to receive what other people say. So, obviously, I'm not ready to be on. And instead, what I actually feel I have now heard God say to me is, Lisa Jo, no, no, you can come back into that space if you are willing to fail and not get it perfect. You don't have to have the perfect feed or the perfect messaging. You don't have to establish some perfect platform. You don't have to have perfect interactions with humans. You can just come there and show up willing to get it wrong, and that qualifies you. I mean, like, my brain is actually blown right now. All kinds of opportunities open up to us, don't they? If we're willing to fail at them. You know, we whatever is holding us back, maybe it's from like commitment in a relationship or becoming a parent or connecting with others in community or going back to church if we've stopped going or whatever the thing is, if we're willing to fail, all kinds of things become possible again. That's amazing. So I have this, I don't think I've told this story yet on the podcast. It is a funny thing about how we're real friends. We share all kinds of things and then we record some of our conversations. And I, I don't want to become one of like one of those people who's always telling the same story over and over. But you know, <laughs> I'll, I'll hold you happen. accountable. <laughs> well, the problem so, is sometimes we've told them to each other, but we haven't told them here. Right, so it's tricky. Right. So I don't know. You so list dear listener, maybe you've heard this one before. <laughs> but I I have one child in particular who um, (laughs) he is just, he's already a success. Let me put it this way. He's very tuned in to what projects success in the world, and he's good at it. So in a social setting, success looks like being charming and getting people to like you. So he's good at that. He does that. He's not obsessed with his grades, but he knows, hey, grades matter. So, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to put in enough effort to, to look good to my teacher. And, you know, he, he, I can see this child investing a lot of energy in doing things well. Not mm. a perfectionist exactly. It's slightly different, but 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 being a success in the world. And so it's interesting because I, on the one hand, 
I feel a relief as a parent because I know even though this child is young, I can already see, wow, this child's going to be able to take care of himself in the world. (laughs) He's going to figure out college. He's going to figure out a career. We joke actually all the time in our family. (laughs) Um, My other children don't feel the same sense of confidence. And so they'll say like, I'll never be able to get a job. And then they'll they'll point to this brother and say, you're going to have to take care of me. (laughs) Right, because isn't he the one who asked you, like, so what is it? What do you have to do to be a boss? Like, wasn't he yes. always like, what qualifies you to be a boss? Like, he was, he sort of skipped the whole employee stage. And he's right, like, the boss right. is the most important. How do I get to be that guy? Yeah. So every time there's a dress up day at school, he figures out a way to twist the theme so that he can wear like a fancy suit and tie because <laughs> that to him looks like power and it looks like success. <laughs> And so he's never going to put on a costume that makes him feel foolish or silly or yeah. funny. It's it's the power suit every time. So yeah, yeah. I actually, you know what? I want to get. He has a birthday coming up. I want to get him um, the mug. Wasn't it from the old the TV show The Office? Yes. Didn't the the boss have a mug like world's, world's best, best boss? boss. Or, yeah, I want to get this <laughs> this kid of mine a mug that says world's best boss. <laughs> but okay, where's this story headed? We were at the dinner table one night. And I don't remember actually the details of what we were discussing, but we were telling some story of some some suffering, uh, some hardships some people were facing. And I and my other children were expe- expressing like appropriate, compassionate <laughs> responses, I think, to this situation. But this one child, and he's young, he's so young, but he said, well, I don't understand. They failed. It's their fault. They're failures. They're they're struggling that way because they failed. They messed up. And I looked at him and I said, oh, honey, I want that for you. Mm. I hope you will fail. And I hope you'll fail while you're young <laughs> and, and it's maybe not so dramatic. But I said, failure is one of the best things that can happen to us. It, it shapes us. It makes us. It's people who've never failed or let themselves fail. I mean, truly, those are some of those are not nice people to be around. They really aren't. <laughs> my, my, uh, uh, oh, I, gosh, I used to say this, Lisa Joe. I'm, I'm not in this stage anymore, but when I, I was a mom with young kids at home, and that's a, that's a hard, hard season. It was a hard season for me those years. Um, I was very aware of my failure as, mm. a, as a mom. It was very <laughs> close to my experience daily. And um, I had a few close friends who were also moms with young children. And I would often tell them, you know what? I can be, we're good friends because you also are a, a mom failure. <laughs> and what I meant by that is it was a compliment. It was, is that these were women who were so humble and they were not know-it-alls at all about their parenting. They were very um, just aware of their weakness as moms. And so I felt like that's why we were able to be such good friends. And so it's true that people who have failed, who have grown through failure are just some of the most wonderful, humble, wise people, right? So it's like, I know these things and I know them well enough to like tell my son this, that, hey, actually, I hope you will fail um, Mm. because I know the value it has. And yet, I'm realizing today in this conversation, I have not been living that out. I haven't. I have been fighting against my own failure by by grasping for solutions, by grasping for perfection, assuming that I can somehow remake my life in my own strength in some way that it won't hurt so much. Mm. It won't make me tired. <laughs> right. I We have this friend. Her name is Amy Knorr, and she is really a spiritual director to us, and she's mm-hmm. been in each week of Easter, there are different practices she's encouraging us in. Yeah. And um, this week, she's talking about 
repeat or repetition. Mm-hmm. And But what's interesting is she qualifies it and she talks about it being meaningful repetition. Oh. And I think that is maybe the difference. When you attach meaning to the repeated act of failure, uh-huh. it is different then. Because in the past, I've seen the goal as we repeat these failures in order to not fail, in order to become perfect, in order to engage with people perfectly so that my life is removed of any stress or anxiety to do with interpersonal relationships. Mm -hmm. But if I say, no, the goal of my life is actually meaningful failure, Mm -hmm. then what I'm telling myself is that failure itself can become a kind of goal. It isn't that I have to get through failure to move to perfection, to move to calmness. Instead, failure itself has something in it for me. There's meaning I have to find in that failure. Mm -hmm. And if we do what Mm -hmm. you're saying... And in these scripture verses where it talks about dying, and we actually put the word failure in there, that's a really powerful thing. I pulled up a couple of those verses that are the ones we've heard a lot. So this is in Matthew 16, 25. It says, so this is the original, says, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life because of me will find it. And if you were giving like the Lisa Joe version now, it would say something like, Whoever wants to save his life, whoever wants to avoid all failure and be perfect, will lose it. But whoever fails because of me will find life. Wow. And I think it's a very different understanding then of what God is asking us to do. Here's another one. This is Philippians 1.21. And it says, for me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if we use failure for death there, it says, for me to live is Christ and to fail is gain, that we actually gain something through being willing to lean into the humility, the death-like experience of failure, because that is how failure can feel. Mm -hmm. I feel, you know, my my son this morning as we're driving to school and he was talking about not making this team, the sports team he tried out for. It was very interesting, the language that he was using. He isn't someone who's always very in touch with how he feels. And it's taken him almost 24 hours before he was willing to talk to me about not making this team. He's incredibly athletic, but he's picking up a new sport. He's never played it before. And he was sure he would make the cut and he didn't. And this morning he used words like this. He said, I feel ashamed. I feel embarrassed. I feel humiliated. Yeah. And those are the words of failure that are the words of death, right? Mm -hmm. He felt like he had died. Something in him had died. And it's interesting. I hadn't made the connection yet because you and I hadn't had this conversation, but I was using words back to him like, in essence, trying to explain why those are feelings that are actually essential to, to move through as a human being because they will help him be better in the end. While as an adult myself, constantly trying to avoid feeling that way. Like, you know, like <laughs> right. I'm trying not to ever feel failure in relationships with people. But but if I believe that the scripture is true, for me to live as Christ and to fail is gain, it changes the whole narrative of how I it understand does. my space in social media, as a parent, and in my marriage. And that word shame, so your son feels ashamed. Yeah. That is the word attached to the cross. The cross oh. was... Shame. It was the ultimate Mm. shame. It was the, it was the mark of the worst criminal. The worst kind of failure in that culture would be to hang on a cross, and that was the shame that Jesus willingly entered. Right, Mm. and I think there's a reason 
And I, for years, have kind of struggled, like, why as Christians is our primary emblem the cross? Why does the New Testament go on and on and on about the cross and not the empty tomb? I mean, the empty tomb matters, Mm -hmm. (laughs) absolutely, but what do we wear around our neck? We wear crosses. Um, What hangs in our churches? Crosses. Um, What do the New Testament writers go on and on about? It's the cross. And I I think maybe we're approaching some of the reasons for that. That there is something, yes, we look forward to the new life. Yes, we look forward to the empty tomb. Like, goodness, that, the hope of that. But how do we get there? This is the door. It is this cross-shaped door. It is, it, it will feel like failure. It will look like failure. It will make us feel ashamed at times. And I think that's what you and I have been battling with in our own separate ways is the sense of shame that mm. we aren't doing it right. right. <laughs> that we aren't doing our ordinary lives right, that we're failing. And I think I'm realizing, yes, yes, of course we are. Mm. And there's good news in that. Mm. And we don't have to be ashamed because Christ did it first. He failed. He did it first. Isn't it interesting that that's one of the one of the accusations, the mockery directed at him was that he saved yeah. others, but he couldn't save, couldn't himself. save himself. Like the ultimate humiliation and failure. Yeah. Look at how you failed. You raised other people, but you couldn't save yourself. And it's this conversation has been so transformative. I mean, I will come and re-listen to this over and over because especially in my 40s, halfway through my life is a really dangerous time to look back because Mm. you can look back and just see failure, that there's nothing you can do about. Like you can't go back and fix it. And I have struggled, you know, all the last two years, I have struggled so much as I've tried to make sense of parts of my story that have been very, very difficult. Parts of my story I thought went one way and then when I went through counseling and things Pete and I have worked on, I've realized I misunderstood things. I hurt people in certain ways. And I have only received that as like failure, failure, failure. And I've heard the enemy tell me, you wasted 20 years of your life. Look at you at all these ways that you failed. You're a disaster. Like, how can God use you for the kingdom? And I I find myself almost like this is such a bizarre analogy. I am go with me, my movie <laughs> friends. Christy, I apologize, so you will not know what this is. But this is the picture I have in my mind. I actually get movie scenes in my mind when I'm trying to describe how I feel. So back in the day when the first Terminator movies came out with with uh, Schwarzenegger and Linda Hamilton was in them. So if you don't know the narrative, there's this Terminator who gets sent from the future to the <laughs> past to try to kill the mother who will give birth to the guy who will defeat the Terminator in the future, okay? It's played by Linda Hamilton. She's so fierce. She battles this Terminator in the first movies. But what happens in the future is when her son is born and he becomes the leader of the resistance, he reprograms this Terminator to come back and protect his mother from future Terminators who are still coming, okay? It's crazy, (laughs) wonderful paradigm. And there's this moment where this Terminator is coming back now to the past to find the mother who has only experienced him as somebody who wants to exterminate her. And he's coming essentially to rescue her. But when she sees him, she's running full out and he comes walking toward her and she stops like a cartoon character. She screeches to a halt, and she is scrabbling backwards as fast as she can from this thing she is convinced is trying to kill her. 
And I think when I think about failure, that's me, Christy. I'm like, get this thing away from me. I know it's trying to kill me. I know it's out to get me. And I'm like on my hands and knees backwards trying to get away from it. But in the movie, her son is there with the Terminator telling her, no, 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 he's here to protect you this time. And I think I'm going to think about failure that way from now on. Like, it's not out to kill me. It's out to somehow protect me and give me life. There you go. Welcome to Lisa Joe's random reviews and how she thinks about <laughs> movies in every context. <laughs> That's great. And since I've never seen those movies, I feel like now I don't need to. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good, Lisa Joe. Wow. Well, I think I'm glad we hit record. I think I'm glad we kept talking. I feel like I've got a lot to think about. So goodness knows what conversation we'll record next. <laughs> But I'm I'm looking forward to it. Here's to the wow. meaningful repetition of failure. Like here yeah. is to Christ's invitation to come and fail so that we can mm. have life. Whoever would have thought of it that way. Mm. Thank you, friend. Oh, man. Thank you. Thank you. And I feel like maybe we don't often do this, but I think we might end in prayer today. I think it's been so clear that God spoke and we actually heard Him and I think it's the perfect example of how sometimes we hear Him best when we're listening with other people. God is a community, you know, He is a three-in-one God, and sometimes it really does take other people to hear from Him. So, Christy, I'm so grateful that God spoke through you and that we heard Him together, and Hmm. could I invite you to pray for us to just thank Him for what He taught us today? Mm -hmm. I would love to do that. Dear God, who failed for us, Hmm. who turned failure inside out and into victory, we thank you for speaking. We thank you for being present in relationships and friendships and conversations and storytelling. We thank you for our listeners. And we pray that this season of walking toward Easter, you would show us in new life-giving ways how to fail safe in your arms (laughs) so that we can live, live, live in your name. Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. If you enjoyed today's conversation, won't you take a moment right now, open up that podcast app and look for the subscribe button right next to our podcast profile image. And we think this podcast is best enjoyed with friends. So tell a friend, click share episode in your podcast app and send a friend our link. 